0: Hi, I'm Colleen Nelson, licensed therapist, trauma expert, and fellow badass woman ready to rise up right alongside you. This podcast, Let the Rest Burn, is for the woman who has ignored, attacked, or even silenced her inner voice because she thought it was broken and needed to be fixed. It's for the woman who is ready to rise up and fully step into her desire, her joy, her full power, and make the impact she was destined to make. For the woman who cannot stand one more second waiting, watching, and witnessing the world crumble, and is ready to rebuild and expand into a better future. For a woman who is so done trying to fix the world, she decided to start with healing herself and she let the rest burn. Hello
1: and welcome back to Let the Rest Burn. I'm here with a good friend and colleague, Kelsey Van Kirk. Kelsey is a writer, speaker, life coach, and host of The Better Life Project, a popular weekly podcast dedicated to showing women what's possible and inspiring them to take action to change their lives for the better. Whether you're looking to start or grow a business or make changes in any area of your personal life, Kelsey is here to help you unlock the clarity, courage, and confidence you need to build the life you want. She and her husband, Andrew, live in Charleston, South Carolina with their four young daughters and a Siamese cat named Coco. Hello, Kelsey.
2: Hello, Coco. <laughs> <laughs> Kelsey little that... friend, secret. I Coco know it's Colleen's nickname and it also is. the name of my cat. <laughs> it's, it's
1: perfect. We bonded over that originally. Kel- Kelsey and I we met on in a mastermind with with Ashley McDonald, and it has been such a privilege to get to know you over the last six nine months six six to nine months.
2: <laughs> Something there,
1: like, something about that. <laughs> but we went on a, a retreat to Tulum uh, this last year, which was wonderful, and just got to really get closer and have lots of deep conversations. And I'm so excited to have some of those conversations on here and talk about some of those hard pieces we talked about. But what I love about Kelsey is she is actually like my little guru in my back pocket for helping me get clarity on all of my crazy, hairbrained ideas. <laughs> I put out there. You like <laughs> the <take> them. Guru. <laughs> yes. You, you put it into like clear knowledge that I can actually digest and give out to the public. So they know what I'm talking about. So I'm very excited to have you on today, Kelsey.
2: Oh, I'm excited to be here. This is so fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Kelsey,
1: what I've been asking my guests as I'm, you know, diving into this new podcast here is I love how each and every one of the women that I have on here are living on their growth edge you are living to the fullest expression of yourself and then some and I think this is a journey it's not like a destination you didn't just arrive here but what have you had to really face what are the hard things that you've had to face and what did you have to burn, whether that be stories, relationships, experiences, in order to get to the full self that you are today? That is what we'll be talking about.
2: Yeah. Such a loaded question. Isn't it? I mean, a loaded, a loaded (laughs) couple of questions. And it was so funny because Thankfully, you asked me these questions in advance because I need time to like chew and and marinate and like think about it, right? Um, and it was funny because as I was thinking about it, I was like, holy crap. It'd be, it'd be really easy to just kind of throw out easy answers, right, that come off, come off the top of your head off the surface. But like really, as I was sifting through it and looking back over the entirety of my life, it was like kind of a cool opportunity, unexpected opportunity actually to look back like I said, over the entirety of my life and, and evaluate like all the people I've been like all the different Mm -hmm. versions of myself that I've been every step of the way. And, and all the things that I've had to burn along the journey, it's just not something I've ever really intentionally consciously thought of before. And there's a lot, like, there's a lot, a lot. And I think, yeah, something that you and I have bonded over a lot in the last several months is really, kind of going deep fast together to explore what some of that has looked like in, in recent months and years in particular. So, um, I think in general, and I'm even going to pull up my notes because honestly, I don't trust my (laughs) mom of a million children brain to remember all of the things, but, you know, I think that one of the things, the biggest things that comes, comes to mind is is fear. And I think that that's something that we can all relate to. That's actually been kind of a subject I've been diving into just a lot in general recently in my personal growth, my introspection is how much like every challenge, every hardship, every obstacle, everything that's felt hard or difficult in my life or every problem I've faced, either with like fully stepping into the things that I want to do in my life or ways that I've held my back, myself back. It's all always been rooted in some kind of fear. And one of the big things, so part of my background and story is that I was born to, an unwed mother at 19, she had been dating a guy for like two weeks, got pregnant with me. Um, he ultimately decided not to stay involved in the picture. So it was just me and her for the first couple of years. And then she met my stepdad when I was two and they got married when I was three. And so he's the dad that I always knew. Um, and he ultimately wound up adopting me. But uh, I would, I knew from like a really early age about essentially all of those circumstances. Um, and so that was really, really kind of foundational to my entrance into the world. Obviously, there's, you know, as a trained professional trauma expert and therapist, there's a whole crap ton of, like, even epigenetic trauma stories, things like that that kind of run in the fam- the women on my side of the family. There's just yeah. a lot, right, surrounding my entrance into the world. And then on top of this, I kind of internalized this belief that, you know, my like there must be something wrong with me right for my father to not want me was mm-hmm. the message right that i internalized and believed and then and then my my dad who adopted me he's wonderful but also had a lot of relational kind of deficiencies himself so my experience growing up with him was he was just very distant and very kind of mm-hmm. um just not super present so therefore it's kind of another iteration of me feeling like i was not worth showing up for and so that's just kind of the message, like the, the core internal message that I grew up, um, filtering everything through. It's the lens that I filtered, how I saw myself and what I believed about myself. And it now looking back, I can see how that colored every aspect of how I have shown up Mm -hmm. in my relationships with myself and my relationships with other people, um, and how it really drove a lot of I have been driven by fear most of my life, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of what other people will think, fear of not ever being able to get the love that I desperately wanted, but essentially I felt like I didn't deserve because the men in my life didn't show up for me. Right. And so I internalized just this belief system that, um, that I was not worth showing up for, which then kind of led to this cascade of, me proving that to myself for years mm. and years by abandoning myself in in a host of different ways. So, I mean, that's led to all kinds of different things, and we're going deep fast, right? But um, all <laughs> kinds of different things, just self betrayal and winding up in relationships where that kind of dynamic played out a lot. And so, fast forward, I got married right out of high school to my high school sweetheart. Um, and started popping out babies. So we had four kids in five years. So I was married at 19, four daughters by age 25. And on the one hand, it kind of was like this perfect little life, like this perfect little fairy tale, magical life that I built for myself because really like I was trying to create what I felt like I missed out on in a lot of ways. I was trying to, to create this perfect man who would sweep in and, Mm and, and, be what I needed, what I felt like I wanted and needed. Um, and the problem with that is that I, I painted him into something he was not actually, which wasn't fair to me and it wasn't fair for him. Right. And then I brought these sweet babies into the world and oh my gosh, they're one of the best things I've ever done in my entire life. And they are magical and wonderful, but also that was part of kind of this fairy tale that I was creating. And, um, and so then fast forward, like into adult life and after having my fourth baby and kind of getting to this point in my mid twenties of feeling like, but I still feel like this, right? Mm -hmm. Like I still, I still don't, I still don't feel enough. Life still doesn't feel like enough. And so what is it that I'm missing? So that's when I started my business and just kind of dove headfirst into all of that. And I think it was really at that point that I just kind of started venturing out a little bit more to explore. Okay. Okay who are you and what is your purpose? Because I think I had, for the longest time, my purpose in my own mind was like, move out of my house and and be (laughs) out away from my family, right? And then my purpose was to like, be the perfect wife. And then my purpose was to be the perfect mother. And everything that I ever did was kind of very driven by this need for being good enough and perfect enough. And if I could just be good enough and if I could just be perfect enough and meet up to everybody's expectations or exceed everybody else's expectations and be that girl that other people saw and were like, Oh my gosh, how do you do it all? And I was literally, I was that person for a long time and it was exhausting, Mm -hmm. exhausting. Right. And so fast forward a few years, I want to say 2018, 2019, I started really struggling with some health issues. And honestly, I really think I just kind of reached my breaking point, like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, we had um, just kind of some relationship crap hit the fan in a lot of ways. And my mental health had just deteriorated a lot. And I think just on all fronts, like I just got worn out. like Mm -hmm. like completely worn out and kind of came apart a little bit. And and it felt like going through hellfire in a lot of ways, which it was. And also it's like walking through those kinds of experiences. I remember so, so vividly, like everything was just coming to a head, all of these beliefs, all of these Mm -hmm. lies that I had just let, like, hold me down and kind of keep me in this prison were crumbling around me. And it felt like my life was crumbling and that was so scary. And so, I mean, just that scary. And, um, and it didn't feel right. I was, you know, and so I, everything kind of intensified at that point and was like, see, this is proof. This is proof. Like, this is what was always meant to happen. You're not enough. You're not, I mean, it got like dark and scary and whoa, um, many, many, many times. And then, but I didn't break right? I didn't break. I actually honestly walking through all of that and deciding to not throw the towel in on my life, on my marriage, on my family, on my kids, on my work, on myself, um, and choosing to get up and essentially start putting myself first um, was kind of how step-by-step I worked myself out of that place. And so in the years since it's been probably about three years, I guess, a three-year journey of of essentially saying enough is enough with old Kelsey and old life and all, you know, not in a way that's like, it all was valuable and none of it was a waste. And I have so much love and care and empathy and compassion for that girl. And also I am so, so grateful for everything that she went through and for the fact that she did not give up because it It's led me to be able to be the woman that I am today, a woman who Mm -hmm. sees and knows her value and her worth and her strength because she's fought for it. Mm -hmm. And she now recognizes it and shows up every day and prioritizes the things that, that she needs to prioritize that I need to prioritize because it's me. Um, (laughs) And that feels so good. And it's like, I mean, it's changed my life it's mm-hmm. changed my life. It's changed my marriage. And it's, and I know it like it's changing things for my four daughters, which is huge. That's a big, big part of my purpose and mission in coming alongside other women to, to show them what's possible. Right. Because yes. I lived so much of my life dreaming about what was possible, but through this like fairy tale, fake, not real lens. Mm-hmm. Right. And what I feel like I've finally swapped that out for is like, this actual realization of what is possible for us when we are willing to look at the crap in our lives and the the lies that we've believed and picked up along the way and face those things. I was running from so much shame and so much pain and things that I thought would crush me. So I just avoided all of that for so long, right? And instead try to kind of put on this facade and lead with that in all the different arenas of my life. And um, not having to do that anymore is like, Oh, it's freeing. It's so freeing. It's so mm-hmm. freeing. And just and obviously, this is an ongoing evolutionary mm-hmm. process, right? Of just continuing to unpack and sift and um and become more of who we were made to be. But I don't know. I don't know if any of that made sense. I feel like it's probably <laughs> a little bit rambly, but there you no, go. No, <laughs> I love it
1: all. And I have I and I and I'm I'm gonna pull from what you said. I'm glad you you walked us through the journey because now we can go back into these these places within the journey and and kind of highlight these moments. Now, as a a trauma therapist, I think one of the things I always like to do is kind of open up this experience that we've had and and look at it for what it is, but from a lens, almost, almost from an internal lens, like what is my body and nervous system doing versus what is my thought and my ego and my frontal cortex doing? Because they're two different experiences of the same event. And this is where we get really shamey. This is where it's the, like, I should have known better, or I, um, you know, I chose this, or I kept choosing to abandon myself over and over and over again. Not that we can't take ownership for our choices, but there's there's an element that I think we have to understand, especially around abandonment. And so I want to highlight this one particular thing for you, Kelsey, and, and you can tell me your thoughts, but... When you come into the world experiencing from a very young age, under the age of 10, that one of your primary caregivers is not present based on their choice and without any like depth or understanding or emotional awareness around it, as well as then being introduced to a second caregiver who is emotionally neglectful for their own, you know, stories and reasons and then with the mother who I would imagine has her own preoccupied experiences being so young and and going through what she went through what ends up happening is our nervous system very much comes back to a very survivalistic experience which is if I cannot understand why my external caregivers are not providing me the needs that I have then I must adapt. And the only way I can adapt is to change myself because you can't at that age change your caregivers, right? So your hindbrain, your nervous system makes the decision very early on, I'm going to adapt to make sure I survive this world, to make sure I get food and shelter. And there's just the very basics, right? And as we get older, it turns into the I think the perfectionistic monster to a degree right people will only be there for me and meet my needs if I'm perfect and this was probably reinforced for you in achievement and in different moments where you were the good girl and they showed up and they admired you and they gave you like a little scrap of love but what we're really craving is much more complex and A a true sense of belonging is being able to be both good and bad, both messy and put together, both imperfect and perfect and be loved through it all, be held through it all. And so we chase and chase and chase. And what ends up happening is our body actually tries to recreate our original trauma to have the ending turn out differently. So this is where trauma bonding happens, right? Where we are looking for people who are similar to or in line with some of our primary caregivers or the ones that originally created that wound because we want to redo it. And this is not a cognitive choice. This is not something we're walking around deciding in our brain. This is our nervous system, literally being sexually attracted to, aroused by, interested in, and intrigued by people who remind us of our original caregivers, even in just the slightest sense. And so we find ourselves almost stumbling along in our teen years and our 20s trying to figure out like, why is it that I'm drawn to all these unavailable men? Why is it that I'm drawn to all these broken people? Why is it that I have friendships where women are preoccupied with themselves? Like, why is it that I keep repeating the same patterns over and over again? And it's because our nervous system is trying to recreate it to have a different reality. But the only way that any of us can ever heal that primary wound is to be the caregiver that we needed to have for ourselves. Yeah, a
2: hundred percent.
1: The more that we teach young young people this, we can't we can't fix everybody. Right, the trauma is going to happen. Most of us are all going to experience some level of trauma in our lifetime. The more we can teach young people at an early age to reparent themselves in a way that is deeply aligned with emotional, psychological, and physical attunement, the faster they're going to heal. And it is an ongoing process. It, It isn't the perfect guy or the amazing family or the great career. It's when I wake up in the morning, do I choose to love myself in this moment, even if I don't really like myself, or even if I'm having a hard day? Can I show up the way I wish my mother or father would have shown up? Tell myself the things I wish they would have? Can I show up in a way that I always needed, but never got? And that's how you recreate the trauma, but have it end differently.
2: Mm, I love that so much. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head because when I started seeing my therapist, uh, oh gosh, it's been over two years now. I headed into her office, ready to dig into a whole ton of betrayal trauma within within my relationship at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, my husband is a recovering sex addict. So we have been on that journey for the last several years and, and I should and he's open about that story. I share that with his full blessing. Um, and so I remember heading into her office being like, okay, here's the whole story. And it was a lot, like we had a lot to address and deal with and sift through. Mm -hmm. And we did none of that. I mean, I say none of that, but we did none of like the trauma timeline work until a year and a half into it because it took a year and a half of her working with me at the very beginning to just establish this foundational reset of habits in the form of the self-care and self-regulation piece. Cause I never learned it. I never knew Mm -hmm. how to do that. And that, you know, I wasn't modeled it. My mom didn't know how to do that. Her mom didn't know how to do it before her. And we all know how those, those, yeah, those patterns work. So it's, yeah, it's been, and I think that's why I'm so passionate about this particular area to the self-care component, just because, and why I love women like you doing the work that you're doing and having these conversations. I love, 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 love more than anything getting to have these conversations. And this was part of our experience together in in Mexico was with some other women um, in our group, because you know, something struck me about what you were saying about like, we all desire, fundamentally, we were all created with this desire to be loved, in both the mess and the perfect. Right. And I don't like, I, I, I know that on a, on a cognitive level, but I don't think I ever really realized that until probably the last year. Um, and you have gotten a front row seat of getting to see me in a lot of ways, like practice showing up in the messy and the not messy, because that has always been so like, unacceptable not even unacceptable like it's not even those words don't really resonate honestly it's just like I don't even know how to do it because I've, I've yeah. not done it there was this way that I just always lived which was like okay if I'm feeling good and put together then I show up and if I'm not then I hide under the blanket <laughs> like you're just yeah. not gonna see it and that's all that I have known and um and it takes work like it takes work it takes and it takes creating that space of safety and security and stability for yourself not expecting to find it somewhere in other people. And I think that's been probably one of the biggest lessons for me.
1: What I think is important how to do that. What's important, Kelsey, too, is and you you described it here is it's not about your mindset. Actually, it's mm-hmm. not about the fact that you you can know I can I can be imperfectly perfect. I can embrace the mess. What what I think a lot of people get stuck on is they do a lot of this mindset work and then they expect their life to change. But if your nervous system is responding to only showing up when you feel perfect and hiding when you feel less than, that's a trauma response. That is something your your nervous system and your body is doing in order to survive the world. So we have to work with our body to actually shift that knowledge internally in order to be able to apply the mindset work. So I, I find that so many people get inspired by and excited by mindset shifts and affirmations and inspirations and intentions and manifestations and this incredible, wonderful world out there. But their body stops them every time. They Mm -hmm. numb out, they shut down, they get dizzy, they sleep, they get distracted. Like all of these things where they don't understand why they can't apply the knowledge they have. And then they shame themselves because they're like, I should know better. And so this is, this is where like, I step in and I get very passionate about this moment of, we need to do the body work and the mindset work in order to actually shift out of generational trauma. Like you are not going to know what your body needs until you learn the mindset piece. And you're not going to be able to apply it until you actually do the body piece. And so this, this is, you know, EMDR, this is sitting with your body. This is riding the wave. This is breath work. This is yoga. It can look in so many different ways, but it's actually bringing the body on board instead of just trying to push through it with your mind.
2: A thousand percent. It, I vividly remember, um, like two and a half years ago being in like just a mega hardcore, like trauma triggered panic attack spiral. <laughs> and, pulling out my like pages of affirmations that I'd written, pulling out my pages of scriptures that I had like topically sorted to like meditate on, like, you mm-hmm. know, to, to to ground myself in the place of truth and reality, right. All things that are fantastic. They work. They're wonderful. Uh, and I remember doing all of those things for like half an hour and it not helping at all and being like, why? Like, wh- and, and again, What is wrong with me? That I am doing all of the right things and I am feeling nothing. It's not changing. What is the problem? Like, what is the answer? I'm like banging my fists, you know, (laughs) my fists (laughs) up to God, like what I'm doing the things I know I'm supposed to do and it's not working. And um, and I don't remember how that that's the last of the memory, that memory. So I don't remember how you know what I essentially ended up doing, but um, in working with my therapist incorporating the breath work, incorporating the mindfulness practices and going through the body. That was a hundred percent the missing key for me. And even things like, you know, we've talked before about, um, so lots and lots of body things, right. Lots of body things, chronic pain, fibromyalgia, autoimmune disease, all these things that I just associated with, like, Oh, I had lots of babies when I was young. And so my body is like tired and breaking down early. No, that doesn't even rationally, logically make sense. (laughs) That's the only thing I could figure. Uh, And somewhere along the way, I ended up, I am a big researcher. I love learning all the things and exploring and researching all of the things. So somewhere along the way, when I was doing some research on the fibromyalgia, I wound up coming across some studies that indicated like a lot of chronic pain, a lot of autoimmune diseases, things like that have their roots in trauma. And then I went down the rabbit hole of like, Body keeps the score, and you know all the things. Yep, and yeah, that has been. I just, I can't even ex- begin to explain. Like, I get really fiery and annoyed um, when, <laughs> kind of like you said, when we don't take this holistic approach. Yeah, to changing or healing or growing in any areas of our lives. And it's so, I mean, honestly, it's just very kind of Western. <laughs> I think it's the very Western thing to like break everything up into its individual parts and try to address the individual components and parts. And for me, even, you know, we've talked a little bit about my faith and growing up in a conservative Christian faith background, um, which I still am a conservative Christian. Um, it looks a lot different than mm-hmm. how I was raised, right, and what that looks like and and it's so much healthier I think now. um, there was a lot of just kind of detoxing and unlearning to relearn for myself that needed to take place. but even with that, I remember, um there's so much of mental, emotional, and physical and even relational health that I was like, okay, if your body is sick, you go to the doctor if if you're struggling with, I don't know, I don't, like if you're struggling with your faith, if you're struggling with doubts, if you're struggling with fears, okay, go talk to your pastor. If you're struggling with like low moods or, or I don't know, ideation thing, like then go to the therapist, just a lot of division. And I just felt like in my experience that created a lot of confusion and a lot of isolation, right? Because it's like, Mm. okay, where do you go? And why can I not find something or someone to like wrap all of this together? Um, so again, that's why I'm really grateful for how much more how much more normalized this conversation is taking the, uh, the holistic approach to, and that's why I'm passionate about kind of incorporating that into my work and really just making sure that people will know that women specifically know what, again, what is possible. Like it is possible for you to not stay stuck hating yourself or thinking that you're broken. I think we really live in a culture that has made millions upon billions of dollars by selling by playing on this internalized belief that so many of us have that we're broken fundamentally as women and, um, and reinforcing that by selling us all these different ways to, well, if you just do this, then this will fix. And if you just do this, then this will be the fix. it's like, no, we don't need fixed. Like I didn't need fixed. My body doesn't need fixed. My mind doesn't need fixed healing in my mind is different than fixing. Right. And bringing, I don't, honestly, I've really, really enjoyed the word rest, restoring like restoration mm-hmm. almost even more so than healing. Right. Because yes, that's healing. But the, the idea of restoration is like oh, restoration means being brought back into like the wholeness and integrity that mm-hmm. I was created with. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, there's all these different ways that we get bumped and bruised and kind of damaged a little bit. I, I hate that word, but you get the idea. Yeah. Um. So just this, it's felt like this, this journey of coming home to who I was meant to be and being restored, but also to be restored. I think sometimes you have to go through, like sometimes mm-hmm. you have to re-break or reset the bone in order for it to heal properly the way that it was mm-hmm. meant to And that's really, really painful. So (laughs) it's not been all like roses and sunshine and butterflies and unicorns, but um, oh my gosh, it's worth it. Doing this work is really, really worth it
1: for sure. I think that's what I'm hearing that you burned the most is that you can avoid the hard stuff, the belief that if you're perfect enough, that the hard stuff won't get you. That kind of almost surrender to the mm-hmm. reality that hard stuff will happen and the way that we respond to it can change yeah these these are the pieces that I think that story that you burned and then you turned and you faced it like you faced it head on you looked it right in the eyeballs and it's like oh so I can face this absolute ultimate fear and at that point is when I have a choice. But if I'm running away or I'm avoiding, or I'm running by this story that my nervous system has created that isn't true anymore, I'm not actually in choice. I'm in reaction. And in order to restore yourself, you have to actually, you know, face that which has broken you and then be able to decide what choices do you have in that moment to actually move forward with.
2: Oh yeah, And you hit the nail on the head with the choice piece, because that's if I had to sum it up, I mean, you just did, you just did beautifully. I lived my whole entire life believing that I was a victim to all mm-hmm. of these different things. And I mean, in certain ways I was right. Like mm-hmm. you don't choose yeah. a lot of the things that happen to you you can't control those things. Right. Correct. Um, but a thousand percent, that's what I was dealing with was just for years and years, believing that for a number of different reasons, right. That I didn't ha- that I was out of options. I grew up in poverty. Yes. I grew up in a home where I wasn't you know, on the one hand, my parents were just doing the best they could and they were wonderful and, and extremely loving and caring. And also though, they had, were working with what they'd been passed down. And so there was a lot of, you know, this is what things have to look like. You must obey. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice, right? It's what's hammered into your head. And so you believe it. And if you, I think growing up with certain disadvantages too, you're just kind of, living, breathing and, and, and completely owning your life from this place of scarcity. There's a scarcity of choice, there's scarcity of options available to you. And so, yeah, you figure out how to essentially make, do the best you can with the cards that you have. And it feels like a a deck that is like under stacked (laughs) on your behalf. And then, um, and what's, yeah, like that's such a beautiful picture because The other, if I had to sum up kind of the big overarching theme of what my belief system was, where, like where that fear came from, it's, it wasn't even like, okay, fear of the fear of being rejected, fear of being abandoned, fear of not being good enough, fear of not being loved. Those are all very valid. But I also think that even bigger than that for me was the fear that I was, or, or the belief that I was weak. Like I thought I was broken and weak and fully, fully convinced that if something was essentially too painful, like I would not be able to withstand that. And I think that's what kept me, you know, I, I like allowed myself to, and I don't mean to use that language necessarily, but, (laughs) but it was this belief system, right? This belief system and my body just come. comfy in this little, what I knew this box of what I knew. And yeah. So I didn't want to face the things because I thought that that would be the worst thing. And I thought I wouldn't be able to withstand that. And I think really walking through, there's so many different, different things I can look back on and, and see my strength every step of the way. And I think really walking through, um, kind of the, the climactic point of my husband's addiction, and just being you know, 10 years in down that road at that point and being like, I can't do this anymore. It was yeah. officially a drawing a line in the sand situation where I fully recognized in this moment, like I have these four humans that I am intent on doing the best that I can with and for, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. And I recognize that in order to do that for them, and for everybody else I'm meant to serve and love and, mm. and show up for, for the rest of my life, I have to do that for me, which means I cannot do this anymore this way. Yeah. And um and so essentially, yeah, it was me burning <laughs> burning my life to that point, um, burning it all down. And thankfully, I mean, because the reality is that's been very up and down and messy and I had zero idea what lie, lay on the other side of that decision to do that other than knowing um, it's what needed to be done, but holy moly, talk about fear. And yet I recognized through making that decision, which at the time I didn't really cognitively view it as making a choice for myself. I totally see that now, but at the time I think it just was this innate, like, survival instincts that was different than the survival instincts that were kind of keeping me stuck in the broken patterns, right? It's just this innate, like this must happen. Mm-hmm. And what's so beautiful and crazy to kind of see is just like you said, that one decision set off this chain of reaction of decisions where it's almost just like things have been brought back into the correct order in my life because my life was out of order for so long. Yes. Everything else was being put up before me and that, um, you know, there's a lot of that, that I was conditioned to, to believe for a number of reasons. And now that things are in the right order, I still have my husband and we're doing work, but we are thriving. My relationship with my kids thriving, growing tons, leaps and bounds, healing physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all the things, not perfect, constantly growing, constantly evolving. But, um, Yeah, I think we are so, so, so much stronger than we realize. And I think people telling us that we're strong is never gonna matter as much as us walking through the hard things and recognizing our own strength. In retrospect, it's never gonna matter as much as that because that's that's what proved it to me. I had to prove it to myself.
1: You had to. And and I think that's the like, you know, if we're talking about another, you know, story that you're burning to the ground is that. Someone else is going to heal this wound. Mm -hmm. It is. I think it's not a. I think it's not an or like us or them. I think it's an and. I think it's it's me and them because I think the people we surround ourselves with do contribute to the way that we heal and do contribute to the way that we can get through to the other side. But it is very much this idea that the external world is going to heal my internal world when in reality it is the internal world that I control and who I decide to allow into that space intimately. Um, And, and that is, that's ultimately their influence on it, but really I'm still the one making the choice to have this person in my life, to have this person near me, to have this person um, intimately connected. And when we continue to look external for our healing, it stops us in our tracks every time. So this is, this is probably one of many conversations we'll have Kelsey. I'll say that we could talk for 45 hours about this. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but we <laughs> sure. I want to make sure that um, we'll revisit this, but I would love, you know, is there something that you are currently running right now? Where do you want people to go find you? What's the best way to find? Miss
2: Kelsey. Well, I mean, the best way to find me is to know my address and come knock on my door and find me, but that's creepy. So don't do that. We won't be putting that in these show notes. I'll I'll put her address and cell phone number in the show notes, folks. Uh, Or come hang out with us in Mexico. Mm -hmm. No, um, Instagram. Instagram is my jam. So definitely come hang out with me over there. It's Instagram forward slash Miss Kelsey Van Kirk. That is my favorite place to hang out. I also host a podcast, like you said, The Better Life Mm -hmm. Project. That comes out weekly. Um, I also have an online membership community called The Better Life Collective. And it's kind of my new baby. It's in its Mm -hmm. beginning, early infancy stages. And it's so fun. It's really just, I've had for several years, this idea in my heart to create a space for women to come who are like me, who want, who like learning, who like growing, who want to to uncover the ways and the steps and the paths and strategies forward in all the different arenas of life, right? So it's a place where I do do coaching. We cover all different kinds of subjects. Um, I'm particularly passionate myself around, making life simpler, making life easier, like making life better. Um, so we cover a wide range and gamut of things in there. Um, and I don't know, that's the things. And then there's my website, Kelsey I love
1: it. I love it. We'll go check <laughs> her out and I'll put all those things in the show notes for you all, but Kelsey has a lot to offer. And I just really, really, really appreciate you being here with me today. And we will revisit many of these topics on many different (laughs) platforms, I'm sure. So I appreciate you being here and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you all for listening.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single second that you chose to set aside for you and the impact that you're going to have on the world today to be inspired, to be seen And to hold space starts with the very actions we take with ourselves. Look at the show notes for more information. Like and subscribe and share with friends if you feel inspired to. And as always, let the rest burn.